This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast is healthy living about the food or the lifestyle. Nutritionist Alyssa B gives us a hand, some tips on how to maintain a healthy life with food and good habits and creating the perfect road trip and snack for the summer that's good for you. A little bit of recipe ideas, a little bit of just snacky raw veggies and fruit ideas, all put together here on the Shift Daily Podcast. Ukrainian foreign policy expert Dr. Hannah Shalis joins us live following her trip around the world lobbying for Ukraine. She tells us how other nations support Ukraine if international coverage of the conflict is waning, and she gives us some insight into Canada's confrontations with China. We learned something. Plus, are you okay with kangaroos and pickle juice? This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with kangaroos? Forgot how to do an Australian accent. Right then. <laughs> no, that's British. Kangaroo. Right. Kangaroo. I can't I'm terrible at the Australian. Uh kangaroos uh, are kind ki- ki- they're cool. They also um they also taste good. I had a kangaroo burger. What? Once. Yeah. Is that a real so, thing? Yeah, it's a real thing because they're oh, like man. Australia is overpopulated with them. So a couple years ago it was pretty cheap Burgers to buy kangaroo meat. And I had a kangaroo burger. It's very flavorful, but because it's all muscle, the the meat is very tough. So it tasted good, but not like a, you know, melt in your mouth kind of burger. But uh, as an animal, they're cool. <laughs> they're scary. They're mean. Yeah, your average yeah. Um, everyday Australian doesn't necessarily like them. They usually refer to them as pests. Yeah, hey. Um. Oh, see, but see, here's the thing. I always thought they were really cute, and then I realized they're really, really mean. And then I saw a baby kangaroo in a vent. They had like, "Come get your photo taken with a baby kangaroo," and I was, I, I don't personally care about those things, but I saw this little guy, and I was like, "I'm willing to pay to get my photo taken because that would be so cool. <laughs> like, they're so cute. My God, yeah, yeah, they are. Cute. Well, a baby, anything is cute, and it grows up, right? That's the that's the hook, right? Mm. God, Mother Nature, Universe, whatever it is for you. That's the hook. They make them cute, so you keep them. Because they're not worth it. But then they're cute, so you keep them. And then they mellow out. That's the catch. It's like babies. First one's always easy. Second one, nightmare. That's how you get fooled into having two. Mm. This was a breeze. He slept through the night. Second baby sets the house on fire. So it goes. Um, kangaroos just might be the absolute most Australian thing on the planet. Well, not the most. Maybe the second most after this. Just drive from town to paradise and you'll see why we call Australia Kangaroos might be pests in Australia. They're cute for us, but they pack a punch, quite literally. An Aussie was thrown into an epic battle with a kangaroo this weekend. He went toe-to-toe with the roo for over six minutes. Uh, my dogs were barking uh, just last week there, and I went out to see what they were barking at, and there was a six-foot buck roo 
in a bad mood trying to rip my little dogs out of the yard and um, I sort of went around the side near it, about 30 foot from it and uh, shooed it away but it didn't want to shoo away, it just put its claws up, stood on its back feet and started chasing me and um, I thought, oh, well I better get out of here, I started running into my yard and next thing you know I slipped over and it's jumped on me back and uh, I picked up a stick that was fortunate enough where I landed with was a stick so I fought it off with a stick and after three whacks with the stick it snapped like a carrot and then I thought well oh. this thing means business it's gonna it's gonna mongrel me real good so I took it to the ground it's the only way I could deal with it and um, I suppose if I hadn't it would have been a lot worse mm. and um, yeah I was on the ground for five minutes after that wrestling it and it it tried to gouge me face, and um, I put my head down, so it gouged me on the top of the head. Just a normal day. Just an average day in Australia. Yeah, that's what I imagine the it's Outback just, is like. Just talking about it like it's nothing. Well, this happened, and then that happened. So that's from today, Australia. Despite his terrifying experience, Cliff Des has a soft spot for the kangaroos. He says they're a stunning creature and an Australian icon. All I can conclude from the situation is that you should avoid them, he said. <laughs> we would also like to thank the Today Show for their amazing introduction to Cliff's match with the kangaroo that sounded like this. Round after round, and the dogs were no help. Six minutes and 22 seconds is how long this went it's on like for. like a prize fight. Until he got him down on the ground. And I tell you what... The man at the centre of that, Cliff Dares from Ballina in New South Wales, joins us now. He's live. A great Australian. <laughs> A See, great Australian. You can hear the lack of compassion for kangaroos and all that, right? Oh, yeah. They are. They're done. They are fully on, on Cliff's side there. Absolutely. I can't believe you had a kangaroo burger. It's, yeah, you should try it. I Yeah. I, uh, I've had another... Did I have ostrich? Was that the other one? I can't remember. Ostrich is good. I've had ostrich. Yeah. No. I, I've had alligator. Alligator was yeah the other weird one. The weirdest the weirdest objective meat that I've ever had was kangaroo. It was good. I would have it again. Yeah. Okay. There's a text eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight in Duncan BC. There's a grocery store that has kangaroo pepperoni. It comes from a farm in Abbotsford or something like that. Huh. I would try that. I uh. I would argue that the most Australian thing is the band In Excess. Oh, very good. Yeah. Midnight Oil, Oil maybe. Oh, that's even more Australian. Midnight Oil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, okay. No. You've what outdone about, me. What about uh, <laughs> Land Down Under? That Men at Work, right? That's Men like at the work? most Australian Men song yeah. ever yeah. made. Yeah, I'd put Midnight right. Oil, though. They, a second. Everything Midnight Oil was Australian. Oh, like yeah. everything. Half a VB, long neck. <laughs> The beer. There you go. You found your accent. Yeah, I can only do it when I'm uh, swearing for one, and that I can't. Obviously, I can't obviously it's, do right now. But it's really easy to swear in an Australian accent. It's more which like maybe is why they swear all the time. Elongated A's, high eyes, like neek. You'd say neek, not neck. Neek. Yeah. Baby, yeah. yeah. long neek. Uh, you'll get there. Yeah, I'm sure I'm working <laughs> on it. It's not as bad as my French accent, Ryan. Don't worry. You're good. <laughs> 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 ACDC comes in as a text for the, all things that are Australian. Oh, yeah, but ACDC yep. doesn't, but I mean, they connect to Australia, but they're not Australian, like with the things they do. They've become like this global, like they're neutral, right? They're neutral everywhere. They just do their thing. I don't think they're Australian like Minot Oil is. 
I don't think so. Mm. All right. Throw a kangaroo burger on the Barbie, will you? Bobby. 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 Oh, see, I can't yep. do it. Not good with that one. Are you okay with football? The footy. Are we talking about the footy or are we talking about the American football? No, we're talking about the one that actually involves kicking a ball with your foot for more than uh, like soccer. Fit, yeah, exactly. That one. Yeah. All right. We are you okay with it? Do you like it? Uh, yeah, I like it. Um, I, I almost enjoy, I've grown up with a lot of people who come from countries where soccer is a religion, (laughs) right? Like, um, my best friend growing up was from Egypt. My partner is from Colombia, And so I almost enjoy watching them watch soccer than me actually watching the sport. Now I loved watching team Canada make its way to the, you know, to the world cup and I will absolutely watch it. But the thing that I like about soccer is every match they treat it like it's watching the Stanley cup final. They just go Mm. nuts. And that energy is amazing. And I would absolutely love to see like a game at in Manchester or or Liverpool or, you know, in in the UK where you know, they got the chance and all that, but that'd be cool. And they separate the team's fans because they can't be together. They don't kill each other. Yep. Um, so, okay. Here's the thing. Watching soccer is, like an hour or so of nonstop absolute boredom and four seconds of one good play. It just doesn't seem like the return on the investment is there. I just, I don't get it. I don't like it. It's not a very conducive sport to the North American television audience. It's not mm-hmm. any TV no. timeouts. It's long it periods on- of nothing happening. Yeah, but it, 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 see, a fan would say it's not nothing happening. It's the strategy. It's the flow of the game, right? So if you grow up watching soccer from that perspective, I can you understand why. But <laughs> I don't your pause see it like was, that. Your pause was in like a that. weird spot there. If yeah, you right. grow up. Oh, yeah. Grow up, guys. Soccer's cool. Uh, we should specify this is, uh, by the way, soccer, not football. Um, Brits love their football. It's a way of life. Rivalries are intense. Communities, uh, cities, nations. So intense that a BBC employee felt the need to voice his hatred for Manchester United on national television. A message appeared on the news ticker labeling the Premier League club as rubbish. It was very unprofessional. So much so, the BBC actually had to apologize for it. While we're on the subject of football, um, a little earlier, some of you may have noticed something pretty unusual on the ticker that runs along the bottom of the screen with news, um, making a, a comment about Manchester United. And I hope that Manchester United fans weren't offended by it. Let me just explain what was happening. Behind the scenes, someone was training to learn how to to use the ticker and to put text on the ticker. So they were just writing random things, not in in earnest. And um, that comment appeared. So apologies if you saw that and you were offended and you're a fan of Manchester United. But certainly that was, you know, a mistake and it wasn't uh, meant to appear on the screen. So um, that was what happened. We just thought we'd better explain that to you. Mm. Please, uh, just so we explain it to you, so you don't come burn the radio or TV station down. They will do it. It was a very British apology as well. Well, you know what? I mean, somebody was learning. Come on. I I, I don't know. I well, the, how did that get on to the actual? Like, where? How were they do you training? learn? Since when do you learn on a live on TV 
piece of software. Yeah, I mean, everybody Never. needs draw. Everybody needs workers these days, so maybe it's something there. You'd, but come on, if it was a pilot, they'd be like, "Oh, you know that turbulence <laughs> you felt back there? Well, that was Mike. <laughs> Mike's just learning how to fly, and uh, we, you weren't supposed to feel that turbulence. We were supposed to be in simulation mode, but uh, mm-hmm. turns out, <laughs> here he is, wah, wah. Mike. Way to go, Mike. Are you okay with pickle juice? Pickle juice. I like pickles. I don't know if pickle juice is ever really a important piece of my life. I don't understand. Like, I, I like pickles. I don't usually like pickles on thing. I like to eat them on their own. But I don't mm. understand... I've watched people like drink pickle juice from the jar. I've yeah. seen it happen and like they are fully intent on this being delicious and I just don't quite get it. it seems like a okay. lot. Yeah, I, I I've known of people like that as well. I uh have not sampled the pickle juice myself. I mean, I like pickles, but I no desire to sample the juice. Yeah, I've never even thought of it, actually, until this very, like, I've never been around someone who drank the pickle juice. I just, the pickles are gone, the jar gets drained, you recycle the jar, and off you go. Isn't that yeah. what everybody does? I, I, I've I just learned know. something really surprising. Sorry. Hmm. I was curious if there was any health benefits to pickle juice. Okay. And it turns out that pickle juice has a lot of electrolytes. So I'm seeing there's an actual, like, energy like fitness drink there's a brand that's like after your workout you chug this to help your muscles recover huh seems like it would be do you drink pickle juice if you do what do you use it for 877-399-9898 i want to know okay well apparently some people love pickle juice first i've ever heard of that uh even pickle juice fans might be hesitant to take a swig of this particular pickle juice mountain dew pickle And there aren't many details yet other than it's supposedly a sour, sweet uh, compliment to Southern barbecue. (laughs) It's one of several new flavors that they're being tested right now at the Mountain Dew's uh, headquarters. Uh, They have an outpost in Tennessee. So it isn't widely available yet, obviously, but it could be. It's popular in the testing phase, they say. Other flavors being tested include apple cinnamon, elderberry, huckleberry, and s'mores. Huckleberry. Huckleberry. Oh, surely get ourselves some huckleberry. Disgusting. Mountain, Mountain Dew. Dew itself, its limey goodness is pretty all right, so I don't know why they... Ugh, no. Code red, man. All right. So they are mixing Mountain Dew with pickle juice. The flavor mixing is happening at all of their Mountain Outpost uh, in Tennessee. Spokesperson for Mountain Dew said the new outpost is a destination where people can come and have fun in the outdoors with friends and family while trying a slew of never-before-released flavors of Mountain Dew. Now, they're in the business of making money, so if it's never been released, doesn't that tell you that it's probably not good enough to be released? Well, it's like brand new. This is like their test. So that I was reading, so they opened up this boot camp kind of thing where you can go and try the flavors out. And this is like their testing ground now. So people can come for the Mountain Dew experience, try it, and then try to expand it outside of this tiny little thing in Tennessee. Uh, and apparently people like it. Okay. Yeah. What do you, do you drink pickle juice? Why do you drink pickle juice? Is it health thing? 877 399 
Don says pickle juice is good for wetting the rim of your Caesars for the salt. Yeah. Mm. See that that makes sense to me. Like that because I do like the pickled beans or the pickle and all those things inside a Caesar. That's all right. Um, pickle juice in a Caesar is nice. Another text. Um, Lyle says pickle juice helps with leg cramping. Charlie horses for Lyle. Apparently, Lyle and Colleen, the church leader, are getting up to something because she also says, hi, guys, pickle juice is good for a leg cramp. That's your electrolytes thing, I think, Ryan. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Um, So there you go. Unless uh, Lyle and the church lady, Colleen, are sharing the pickle jar. Um, When I worked at McDonald's, we used the pickle juice to clean the grills. <laughs> Wow, it's like a miracle solution. It is. It's like Windex on your skin. Uh, Cures cramps. What do you use pickle juice for? 877-399-9898. Pickleback shooters. A shot of rye, then a shot of pickle juice. Oh, that's it. I don't know about that. That sounds like a quick trip to the back alley to... uh, If I ever heard it. Um... Lyle. Oh, haha. <laughs> All right. What do you use your pickles for? Or your pickle juice for? 877-399-9898. Are you okay with Jubblies? Are you okay with the platinum jubbly? Oh, yeah. It looked like the Queen had a great time and all of England too. Everybody mm-hmm. said that. Good celebration. Ooh. Wonderful. Is the queen here? Is she here now with us? Oh, no. She's tired of enjoying a restful evening after celebrating her 96th anniversary of the the throne. (laughs) Yeah, it's not her birthday. (laughs) Um... Okay, uh, there we go. I'm glad this is in. Okay, so the reason why we call it the Platinum Chubbly is because there was actually a typo on some of the swag that was being produced for it. Uh, the Jubilee was spelled uh, Jubbly, Jubbly. And so, therefore, it is now the Queen's Jubbly. So, uh, we've said it a lot, by the way. We just wanted to clarify. It's no slander against the Queen by any means. It was this typo, one of the greatest typos in history. And this story started back in February. Souvenir plates were being sold with the typo, the platinum jubbly of Queen Elizabeth II. Cups and plates were meant to mark the Queen's seven-year reign. Clearance uh, website, boss Carl Baxter said, in classic Dell boy style, he will pitch them as collector's items know what that means uh (laughs) what could be more unique than our limited edition misprinted cockery more than ten thousand pieces of jubilee memorabilia were produced in china and sent to the be sold in the uk said the clearance firm except the slight problem of a misprint of the queen's jubilee this is the shift podcast it's a new month. It's a new diet. Don't call it a diet. Well, <laughs> diet is is legit because it means like what we eat. It just you know don't don't diet. Just change the way we think about things. That's why Alyssa Bauman is here. Alyssa B. I love that. Um, it's true though, right? We need to. Ch- this is the hardest part. Why I was so excited. I'm always excited to chat with you, but this is in particular for the show, why I was so excited to chat with you. Because the last time we had a conversation a couple months ago, we talked about some of the great recipes that you've got on your website. And 
the the reality is though that um which is nourish.ca by the way is the hardest thing i've had to do is the habits around the food it's not the food the food's not the problem Alyssa. it's the yeah um, the food is not the problem it's the habits the mind yeah it's the habits and it's the mind i know it's a mind shift it's a tweak it's a learning how to think about something in a different way it's a reprogramming it if you want to call it that but yeah it's a total mind shift but the thing is about like the daily diet which sometimes doesn't work it just it's too close to like the diet culture that we so live in in North America let's think of it as more of like a lifestyle like eating a healthy lifestyle eating to fuel yourself eating to make you feel good and that's kind of my approach to nutrition I don't want people to be like, okay, I need to lose this. I need to eat this to lose weight. I need to do this to do this. It's more about like, what are the foods that you know make you feel good? Because we all want to feel good, right? I mean, that's the name of the game. We all want to like be present, show up, um, do the things that we love with, with, with passion. And the truth is, if you don't feel good, you can't bring your A game. You don't have your energy for it. So that's really how I got so passionate and so um, jazzed, I guess, about, about nutrition. Because once I started shifting the way I thought about food and connecting to the, the connecting to my, my whys, the hows became that much easier. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So let's have, let's play with that as the word guy, since you're the food gal. Um, the, so that's what we say. I mean, because you said, you know, this diet culture, I, I would add an extra, extra layer to that. We're not so much a diet culture as we are a um, lose weight culture, right? And then, so that's negative. Yeah. It's negative speaking. So, I mean, any belief system will tell you that negative speaking just creates a negative outcome. So when we're talking about losing weight, we have weight as this negative connotation anyway, but if we're talking about losing it, so when you speak about it that way, you're talking about fueling vitality, right? You're nourishing longevity. Exactly. And, and exactly. those kinds of things. And when I think of my future, one of the things that I need to get better at is that vitality part. I mean, th this show doesn't, you know, any of us night shift people, it's not uh, conducive of, of just easy access to think because your whole body's upside down all the time. It's, it's, it's constantly mm -hmm. a battle. So why not start to fuel it properly and get involved with it? So it is an extra layer of difficulty for those who work at nighttime. Oh, totally. However, that being said, if you do begin to shift what you eat in the terms of, okay, what am I going to eat? That's going to help me feel my best. And, and you do it on a consistent basis. You will even see a sense of ease in the way you feel, even when you're you know, working these harder shifts, these har harder hours, if you prepare yourself, you know, you prepare the food, prepare the, prepare the, have the waters, have the green juices, have all the foods that you need to eat and you have it at hand, you're going to set yourself up for success. And these night shifts, so to call them are going to actually start feeling a little bit easier. As long as you're getting sleep, sleep yeah. as long as you're getting, you know, your sleep and as long as you're moving, I mean, to me, it goes, it's all hand in hand. You know, we need our sleep hygiene. You have to move somewhat, whatever it is that you like to do. I'm not saying, you know, spend hours in the gym. If you don't like the gym, don't go to the gym. Oh, yeah. Just find Walk some type dog, of whatever. movement that, yeah, whatever it may be for you, just find that movement. And then focus on the foods that make you feel good. You know, focus on the greens, um, the lean and clean proteins, the complex carbohydrates, and the healthy fats. 
I mean, that's the kind of, that's the magic formula. If everybody wants the magic bullet, but the magic formula is, is greens at every meal, a protein at every meal, whatever that may be for you, whether you eat meat or you're a non-meat eater, then you eat the plant proteins, um, a nice portion of refined, uh, unrefined com- carbohydrates and some healthy fats. So you went back to thinking there when you said you eat foods that make you feel good. And I'm going to go back to the double negative part because it's so important. It's the uh, eating foods that don't make you feel bad. And so that's the catch, Mm -hmm. right? If you want to know the foods that make you feel good, you're going to have to hack your diet a little bit in order to stick to it for a couple of days. And then you're going to have to actually watch your diet when you go have maybe those, you know, deep fried chicken wings with with buffalo sauce, which I love, everybody (laughs) loves. And it's perfectly fine to eat them. But if you're going to, if you're going to make a decision of how you're going to feel tomorrow, and if you know they're going to, it's, it's like going out drinking with friends. If you know you're going to feel crappy tomorrow, you need more sleep, then you can prepare yourself with a little extra water, a little extra rest, maybe not climbing mm-hmm. a mountain tomorrow post, uh, you know, uh, watching the ball game, mm-hmm. greasy food with your friends. You know, so right. that kind of goes back to by that. By the way, that, that all thing. that stuff, by the way, it's just that, that stuff has all been ingrained that that's what we should do. But all that stuff just continues to make us feel worse. It does. Just just it so does. you know, it just continues to make us feel worse. But if you if you prep yourself, and then I'm I'm never going to take your chicken wings away or the buffalo sauce because I don't believe that deprivation works. You know, I, I hear people come to me and they're like, okay, I'm never going to eat this again. I'm I'm totally that's out of my life. Th- those things don't work because then you're living in a state of restriction. And living in a state of restriction really paralyzes you because then you're, all you're going to be thinking about is those buffalo wings, right. uh, those hot wings and the buffalo sauce. So it's just a matter of, and it takes a little time. You know, this shift takes, I would say, anywhere between three days to a week. And then you'll notice, you'll notice that you start feeling better. Right. You'll notice that you start having more energy. And then the thing is, which is the coolest part, Shane, is that when you see the shift, and you feel the shift, and this is where the magic happens, you want to continue eating that way because you want to continue feeling this way. And it's it's cyclical. And and I think once you have that down pat, it just starts to become who you are. And that's the really cool part of this. That is the cool part. Um, I always have this rule, and I get your thoughts on this, is that I always say if you love it, right? So, so many times in our diet, uh, whether it's even with alcohol, social things, even watching TV shows, if you love it, then enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But if you just cut out the things that you don't love that you're doing because you're doing it, for example, getting together with friends, and having drinks, we can all relate to that. If you, mm-hmm. I love, for me, I love cider, right? That's one of my favorite things. If my choice is to go have drinks and only have beer or only go and have tequila, then what? And if I don't love it, then why bother? But if it's my favorite cider and I'm going to go and I'm going to have a cider with friends, then sure, go have my cider. Same thing with TV shows. If you love watching Survivor, then sure, watch Survivor. It's the five other shows mm-hmm. around it that you don't really love, that you're just sitting there, you know, staring at the box, maybe flipping through Instagram and not really watching the show, right? Mm-hmm. And same thing with food is that if you if it if it's not serving you and you don't love it, then why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Well, this um, you're bringing up a very interesting concept, and that's about observing your habits, right? So if you love Survivor, for instance, but you're waiting for it and you're on TV and you're scrolling through Instagram, you need to kind of recalibrate and figure out what habits aren't serving you. The same with um, your sleep hygiene, the same with how you're eating. So, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, well, I'm just going to have the bag of chips because that's what I do. But have you ever taken the time to be like, okay, do I really want the bag of chips or am I just eating the bag of chips because 
that's kind of what I do when I sit down and watch Netflix, right? So it's about looking at your habits because it's these daily habits that become life-defining, right? Right. You might not realize it, that you eat a bag of chips on the couch every day just because it's become who you are. But if you actually become a little bit more attuned and a little bit more mindful of the things that you do, you might be like, oh my God, I eat a bag of chips a day. This definitely isn't serving me. No wonder why I'm not feeling great. Right. You know, no matter, no wonder why I don't have any energy to get off the couch. No wonder why, you know, da, 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 you, I, I really want to go it. for a walk, but I can't find the energy. Okay. There's two things that come up for me. One is to acknowledge you. Uh, for example, watching hockey. I love to have Ryan Coke, Ryan Diet Coke, when I watch yeah. hockey, because it reminds me of my dad. That's when we get together. That's when yeah. we watch hockey. So I love that part. So I, for me, I'm like, uh, that not up for debate. I love that part. One of the things yeah. I've changed. And how though, many, how many, how many, how many are you? Well, having? and that's, that's, that's another that's thing. That's another question. Dad. Yeah. And I, 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 I have narrowed that down. I've learned to say, I allow myself one drink per period and I don't get up until okay. intermission. And that's one of the things for me is that I'm like, okay, well this, this is how I've become aware of it. But here's one of the cool things Amazing. from the conversations with you is that what I've done with potato chips? Because you brought up potato chips. I love my salty snacks. Absolutely love them. I used to always go to bed with my chips or my popcorn, you know, take my drink, watch a show, finish the whole chips, wake up so dehydrated in the morning, like my my tongue felt like a hockey puck. Um, yeah. And it was terrible. Here's what I've done. I actually don't eat chips at nighttime anymore watching shows. I do like to have chips from time to time. And what I do is I take a bowl now, and I pour like just uh, like a cereal bowl type small bowl and I pour the chips in the bowl and then I put the chip bag away. So that's one thing that I do. And then if I, at least Amazing. I know if I'm having more then I'm probably know that a I'm hungry. I should eat something or and I'm not just snacking anymore. The other thing I do is I actually will snack on things like that while I make my dinner. Now, it's probably not a good habit. I get that part, but it's the time of day that matters because I like to have little snacks while I cook my food and all those things. Mm -hmm. And you know, I will do, I've now changed it. I do the green peas and hummus and the, the, the carrots and all those things. But that's what the change happened from this conversation was that I switched from eating these bags of chips at nighttime and then feeling so dry in the morning to a bowl of chips while I cook. And I love to have a little snack and lots of times I'll finish cooking and there's maybe five chips gone. Right. And then I just put right. plastic wrap over the bowl and put it away and, and save it for another day. So it's amazing, amazing when you change the time of day. And when you change the habit around it and what you start to pick up of what you like and what you don't like. And it's actually taught me how much I love certain kinds of chips and other ones I don't care for. So, you know, it's amazing <laughs> when you change the time of day, even the awareness that can come in about what you're eating. I realize that's probably not a great mm -hmm. healthy example, but it is a good example of being self-aware with it. I was just going to say, it's a great example of being mindful and it's a great example of knowing and, and portion control because I mean, how many times do we just eat the chips because they're in front of us and and the bag is there. And before we know it, the bag is gone. So at least here, you're being mindful of your consumption, whether it's chips or not, but you're actually being mindful of the amount, the portions that you're eating. Because, you know, to be honest with you, a, a small bowl of chips is not going to hurt you. The entire bag, you know, will absolutely, after a while, become detrimental to your health. But a small bowl of chips, you know, a, a, a fistful is, is is nothing. Yeah. And it but it's, I guess you, you really bring up something um, which is really the foundation of the work that I do aside from, you know, the food aspect part of it is just about becoming mindful, becoming mindful of the habits and are they serving you? Because we all have, you know, we're connected 
with, you know, a goal that we want, whether it's, um, you know, you want to fit into a pair of pants or whether you want to run a marathon, whatever that wellness goal that is that you have. If you become, and you, as I said before, if you become really connected to what that why is for you, uh, I want to be a great grandmother when I'm seven years old. I want to be young and fit and I want to be chasing after my grandchildren. That's a big one for me. Or I want to be vital as I age. When you connect with the whys, those hows, like, how do I do this? How do I cook this? How do I make this? How do I stop this? Just become that much easier because you become more aligned with them. And if we start thinking about what the wellness journey is, what your wellness goal is, how do I get to that? How do I stay on that path with, you know, a little bit of deviation, but really how do I stay on that path? And, and the path can look up and down and, and, and windy. It's not one straight road to get there. But if you stay on the path, um, and continue to bring up the whys, why am I on this path? Then the hows are just that much easier. And that's really what comes down to it is that training your mind, uh, becoming mindful and, and, and changing the mindset about how you feel and how you, you, you think about food. Alyssa B. Nourish.ca, road trip season is upon us and seems like a strange topic to bring up with, uh, the food lady, but, um, the uh, the price of gas is astronomical, so more of us are going to hit the road in road trips and not be stopping on the side of the road to pick up the McDees or whatever. We're going to yeah. hit the road with sandwiches yeah. and snacks. So you were just on the road. You're, you're back from Europe from a little vacation. So um, what have you learned about traveling and snacks that we can take maybe into our road trips as we head a couple hours down the road to the lake? Yeah. Okay. So fruit is your friend. Throw those apples in your bag, throw anything portable, those oranges, cut up some fruit. And yeah, you're right. Food is crazy expensive. But one of the, my biggest saviors, um, was I made a huge like Ziploc bag of mixed nuts, um, unsalted, like walnuts, pecans, um, almonds, raisins, dried fruit. And I really just a huge bag. And I really just snacked on that. Every time I felt a little bit of hunger, I just had a little bit of that because I was just on a plane and uh, the plane food is really bad. And, and because I'm so connected to my, to my wise, um, I didn't want to eat that. I didn't want to eat any of the airport food that, yeah, it looked good, but I was just like, that is just going to make me feel so bad. I'm on a huge journey. I'm going to be jet lagged. I need to fuel my body as efficiently as possible so I can wake up feeling really good. So, um, those are some of my favorite snacks. Um, I would, for cars. You know, I know when I go on my road trips with my family this summer, hummus and carrots and celery and peppers, all of that is a huge hit. Again, fruit, uh, the nuts, anything that really, um, you know, is produce and whole food oriented is, is where I go. And there are some cool bean chips that we like right now. Um, I like some corn chips, some salsas, making some, some guacamole. Those are all great road snacks. I try really hard not to stop and, and load up on the, on that other kind of food, because I know it just doesn't make you feel good, especially if you're sitting in the car for hours. Mm-hmm. Um, kale so chips, another one that prepared. I kind of like. We started making some, Love. trying to make some kale chips right in the oven or the air fryer is really great. It's not very big, but it takes time with big, the air yeah. fryer, but it, it, it's great. I love kale chips. Um, they don't last very long in my house. I can make like five bunches of kale and they're gone within like a second. My kids love them with some nutritional yeast, salt and pepper olive oil, throw them in the oven for 15 minutes. Those are killer snacks. Yeah. um, Even roasted chickpeas. You can do the same thing with, you know, chickpeas, take a can of chickpeas, drain them, 
line them on a, um, a baking sheet, olive oil, salt, pepper, paprika. Those are really good and easy to put in your mouth, you know, like kind of when you're driving, kind of fun too. Very big, uh, high fiber, high protein snack. I love it. Popcorn. Popcorn. That's an easy one. Yeah. Popcorn has eight grams of fiber. So a really great uh, road trip snack and super cheap to make on your own. Now, there is no free car detailing after all these little snacks that Alyssa is no. recommending because they will all end up underneath your seat if you drop them. Mm-hmm. That's your problem. This is a food part. Yeah. Not the car cleaning part. This is a part. food part. Yeah. Not the car cleaning part. <laughs> I, <laughs> Don't talk to me about a clean car because I know nothing about that. <laughs> okay. So I've made these. If you go to nourish.ca, I recommend the energy balls with peanut butter. If you want to make something before you hit the road and have a snack, uh, that's pretty fantastic. Get on that one. Nourished.ca. At the very bottom is a nice easy way to, uh, you can search it or just go to the energy or the uh, recipes link. You're going to find it uh, there as well. Those energy balls are good ones. And there's a whole bunch of them too. If you like the chocolate, there's raisin, there's so many different types there's also some granola bars there so yeah cruise the site there's a lot of healthy snacks for you to make love it welcome back thank you shane always so good to see you it's uh it is great to see you and thank you so much as we kick off the road trips we'll get more advice coming up here in a couple of weeks from Melissa b nourished.ca thanks buddy bye shane happy summer this is the shift podcast the war in, in Ukraine has been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and months now, three months plus, and uh, there seems to be no end in sight. Yet on one end of the conversation, some things, the country is working hard to get back to making air quotes normal, and in other parts of the country, it's getting absolutely devastated as the people of Ukraine try to keep the economy alive, especially leading into the spring and the summer growing season in such a farming-heavy country. Uh, Hannah Shalis, PhD, joins us. She's with Ukrainian Prism and is about clarity of information. That's the basis and so much more. Uh, Hannah, how are you? Good morning. Um, not bad. New week. Good. You're back in Ukraine now, are you? Yes, I'm already for a week here. Wow. See, the uh, Hannah had just gone on the, the world tour there advocating for Ukraine in the United States and other countries and making your way back in. Hannah, without giving away too much information of your your travel secrets and and everything else, uh, you did share last time what it was like to get out of Ukraine because you had to go through Moldova, I believe. Um, What was it like to go back to Ukraine? I'm guessing, uh, is there many people traveling in and out of the country? I guess that would be, what was it like? You know, that is true. Now, according to the state border service, we have more people returning than leaving the country. So sometimes it takes a longer time for you to stay at the border when you're returning to Ukraine, because uh, some people decided that uh, their towns are safer and they would like to return back. Like, for example, a lot of people now are trying to return back to Kiev. Uh, Then definitely some people are returning to Odessa, also hoping that at home is always better than somewhere outside. But also at the border... Um, our officers are very strict with checking all the documents who are you because they understand uh, uh, that uh, through the borders, especially with some countries, uh, Russians can try to send uh, the uh, uh, saboteurs. That's why it's really important to double check, not to be relaxed at the border. So your journey uh, through Moldova, riding trains and buses, making your way back to Odessa? 
Yes, exactly. As for now, it is approximately five hours if uh, everything is okay at the border. So you can imagine that that is just 180 kilometers. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, uh, because of the situation, it takes approximately uh, uh, five hours from uh, Odessa to Chisinau. And uh, uh, also, we have less roads than we used to have, because usually between o Odessa and Moldova, we had buses each hour and uh, plenty of the uh, uh, border points where you could cross. But some of these points are crossing Transnistria and other separatist region controlled by the Russian Federation. So definitely now we cannot cross them. Previously, for decades, we could do it easily. And uh, also one of the uh, roads that is the bridge, uh, it's also not available because Russians already managed to fight against it five times with the missiles. So unfortunately, the railroad uh, bridge is not working anymore. But still, I mean, five hours, it is better than what people from my colleagues from Kyiv, for example, need to experience because they need to take 20 hours train from Kyiv to Warsaw, that is their um, nearest airport. Returning back to Ukraine, you've been out of the country. Um, uh, again, privacy, Hannah, I'm not asking you to share anything that you shouldn't share or anything that, you know, that, that compromises any of the work you're doing. Um, just want to acknowledge that part. But you go to America, you go to Washington, you're advocating for all these these things. Were you surprised by the amount of attention to Ukraine um, or a lack of attention to Ukraine in the news cycle and what people were talking about? Because you went at a time when things just started to shift and uh, America's had a lot of turmoil uh, with things going on in their own country. So what did you see that was surprising to you? Yes, you know, during the week I traveled to Estonia, the United States and Turkey, so three very different countries in approach towards Ukraine. Uh, in Estonia, it's been the complete support of all present. Uh, I uh, had a dinner with the president of the country and uh, uh, what really struck me when he said, you know, that for these three months we delivered to Ukraine the military support uh, that cost one third of our annual military budget. And that is very, very small and tiny Estonia, but with the extreme big heart. Then I traveled to the United States and had meetings with plenty of congressmen and uh, other state officials. And the interest is very high. But sometimes priorities are a little bit different because um, definitely they are interesting in uh, our weapons supply. They're trying to understand what Ukraine is going to do with these weapons, what type of the weapons we need. So the, all of them agree that Ukraine needs to win, that uh, uh, we have a right to fight and to defend us. But some of them are a little bit afraid that we can use these weapons against uh, Russia. And that's really funny because against whom else we can use it if they are fighting yeah, that's uh, uh, and invading us. That's kind of what they were always made us. for, right? Exactly. But, you know, that is the a little bit like they see that Ukraine is advancing, that we are counterattacking, and they are afraid of any type of the attack against the Russian territory. And here our diplomats and military needed to have a very serious um, negotiations explaining that we are not going to target any of the civilian objects for sure, not cities. But if we know that it is the military base with all the ammunition just 10 kilometers from the border, it doesn't matter we have a long range missile or the short artillery. That is the legitimate target because uh, uh, they targeted us exactly from this military base. It seems to me that now, well, like it is already a week that I returned back, and the statements that we hear. We lost Anna there. She'll come back. This always seems to happen. Such is the internet and connecting to uh, everything that's going on uh, in Ukraine. A little bit of a burp on the internet connection. Um, which, all through the, all of this, by the way, I've been remarkably surprised. I mean, 
I'm not a military expert by any means, but wouldn't you go after cell towers and internet connections anyway? To like, wouldn't that be one of the things first things about that? Sorry, Hannah, please continue. We lost you there for a second. You're back. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, so the, the issue is that it seems to me that the last week we found this agreement uh, between uh, Ukrainian officials and the U.S. officials, what can be the legitimate target, what can be not. And as a result, you hear all these decisions that in uh, uh, next weeks we will receive the uh, long-range missiles and the heavy equipment that we really requested. And luckily, other countries are also supplying it. But the last but not the least, that is Turkey. And Turkey is a completely different situation where you expect greater support towards Ukraine because they're also in the Black Sea. And uh, at the political level, they're expressing this support. But then you start talking with the diplomats and experts and really very, very difficult because they start uh, uh, talking about sanctions are not working. We need to cooperate with Russia on some issues. And uh, uh, it really surprises because those countries uh, uh, that are further from the Black Sea understand the situation, the security situation better than uh, uh, the logic of explanations of uh, uh, some of the Turkish experts. And I understand that Russian propaganda is really working very well uh, in Ankara and Istanbul. Uh, that's amazing. And such a, such an incredible lens. Well, you come home, you come back to Benjamin the dog, um, and you, uh, you get to get home back to your real life in Odessa. Over the course of the week you're gone, what does Odessa look like? Is the tone different? Because you know sometimes when... I was, I was in, like, I did it today. I was away for the weekend. This weekend went and saw my sister for her birthday. When I come back into my house, I always like to smell. Oh, there's Benji. Hey, Benjamin. Um, and so I always come back to, um, he knows we're talking about him now. See, Hannah, this is great. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, we, I come back into my house and I always take a deep breath when I come back into my house because your house is so familiar. That smell of your home is familiar. And it's also a good double check to make sure that you took the garbage out before you left. And, so, but when you come back to a new place, you often notice things that you might have not been aware of uh, while you were gone. And a week is actually quite a long time, especially in what Ukraine's going through. What did you notice coming back to Odessa uh, about your city, about your country? You know, in uh, Odessa, uh, the situation has like a twofold. On the one hand, our municipality decided to take off some of the uh, protection uh, constructions that they put just in the very downtown out of there so people can walk. And that is not because we are more relaxed, but because we understood that probably we would not have the full-fledged amphibious operation uh, from the sea, but we need just to protect the perimeter of the city. So all those constructions been taken out from the main pedestrian street, but are moved to the suburbs from where any type of the attack can be. And because of this, the picture of the city definitely improved a little bit. It became more normal, if you can uh, say. But at the same time, we still have extreme problems with the fuel and uh, uh, the long, long lines to the uh, uh, petrol stations. That's what really stroke you when you see it. And uh, uh, the talks in the morning, usually like chats with the friends and uh, relatives, who knows where the fuel is where you can go not to stay for three hours uh, waiting for it. And that is definitely not the picture that you used um, in Odessa. In March or April, people were just traveling a little bit more. I mean, driving uh, less because uh, uh, like there were no necessity. Most of the places were closed. And now because people would like to return back to work, to some of their life, that's definitely something that you can uh, see a lot. 
That's so interesting. Fascinating. All right. Hannah Odessa is a PhD. She is in Ukraine, in Odessa. Some of the stories you talked about long range missiles. There was a new article about UK sending longer range missiles because America wasn't sending the longest range in the original announcement. Uh, some talk that that might happen. Ukraine also uh, sending, uh, excuse me, UK sending to Ukraine long range missiles now. Apparently they seem to believe that you don't need a babysitter anyway, because that's what they were like. They're like, well, you can have these ones, but not those ones because we don't trust you. Um, and so there is some good news about this increased supply. Uh, it's taken a while, but you know, things are slowly starting to open up to the point where Russia has put out more warnings saying if UK and, um, USA continue sending long range arms, uh, they're threatening them again. Yes, that's for sure. But why Russia is so nervous? Because within the last week, you received announcement from several countries, uh, not only US and UK, but also Norway, Greece, about the additional supply to Ukraine. And Greece, for example, that's the country that Russians always thought that is more pro-Russian and that would not support Ukraine because it's been quite a serious Russian lobby in the country and big money, uh, Russian money in the country. But as a result, the countries really make the moral choice, uh, not only a money choice in uh, in this war. And because of this, Russians started to be very nervous. And also because Ukrainian armed forces started counterattacks both on the east and on the south of the country. And uh, they advanced. Definitely, they lost some of the villages, but they also regained a lot of, of the Ukrainian villages back. So that's why for, for now, Russia would like to uh, postpone or to prevent a lot of countries to send us additional weapons because they understand how the situation can be changed. Also, because they are already lacking, um, especially the precise long-range missiles, we started to see that the last two weeks, they are also um, almost uh, don't uh, shell with the uh, newest missiles, but that is as all as from the 1970s, so definitely not with the same efficiency. And uh, th- that is a demonstration that they cannot produce a new one, and their storages are now will be a little bit emptying and emptying. Some of the different areas, um, I'm just going to name off what we're hearing, and maybe if uh, anything comes to mind, uh, comment on it, Hannah, as you see appropriate. There is uh, more severe fighting in Sferodonetsk, as well as um, that one seems to be the main focus of everything else, Russian troops pushing towards Slovyansk. And uh, there's been some uh, missile attacks hitting train structures in Kiev and moving air defenses to Snake Island, which isn't so far away from you in Odessa to protect, obviously, after the embarrassment of the Moskva uh, cruiser uh, a month or so ago. So all those things happening, any of them impactful on you in Odessa? Any comments on those ones? Uh, if we speak about the Severodonetsk, Slavyansk, that is extremely important because in 2014 they were heavy fightings around these towns and they've been occupied for some time, now returned uh, back. And so for Russians that is very important because in this way they will control Donetsk and Lugansk regions exactly uh, what they announce and what they want. So the fightings are happening uh, very strongly the last few days. When you speak about uh, uh, Kiev, it was really shocking because for two weeks uh, uh, they didn't have 
any shelling against the city. And that's why a lot of people started to return back. What Russians targeted, that's very interesting because they targeted their carriage repairment depot. And uh, um, uh, our guys brought the journalists there to demonstrate that it was nothing as this, only the railway repairment. But um, what we noticed that Russians deliberately targeting our railway uh, system for the last several weeks because they're afraid of any type of the delivery, uh, both civilian and military, uh, by the railways. But what really uh, were important for Odessa, for example, that also happened yesterday when Russians targeted Mykolaiv port very heavily. And uh, uh, it's not only port as the infrastructure, but they deliberately targeted one of the biggest grain terminal. And here we also see the uh, because they are now uh, targeting Ukrainian grain export that's been blocked for all these months, but also started targeting the storage and uh, other facilities. In this way, we are out of those uh, grain storage that we had, but also we will not be able to store the new harvest that is coming just in the end of this month. When you understand that Russia is the biggest competitor of Ukraine at the grain market in the world, and now we already almost have the food crisis because of the absence of Ukrainian grains at the markets in Asia, and Africa, uh, the picture is becoming much more colorful. Yeah, it becomes more clear where the agenda lies now is the economics of all of it, that's for sure, especially with getting the squeeze. It does make sense if you look at it from that frame of how uh, getting the whole coast of the Black Sea is so incredibly important. Hannah Shalist is in Ukraine. A couple of notes here, Hannah. We've seen around the world Canadian jets have been uh, buzzed by, uh, Canadian planes buzzed by Chinese jets. Australia now reporting a chaffing incident um, with Chinese jets on theirs. We've heard about this with Russian planes, of course, over in and around UK for so incredibly long. Uh, US and South Korea firing missiles to show North Korea that they have missiles too, because when the president was in Japan, they were firing missiles. Oh my God. So this really lends to that narrative that Ukraine has said all along is that this is not a fight for Ukraine. This is a fight for the Western world that just happens to be happening in Ukraine. Um, any thoughts on that and what you're seeing? Is this the evidence really that, that Ukraine's been saying all along? No, you know, uh, the, 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 for the Russian Federation, definitely the situation always been bigger than just Ukraine. Ukrainian agenda is one, but that's also been also anti-Western agenda uh, for the Kremlin. And all those incidents with the UK uh, airplanes or with Norwegians, with Swedish, uh, it's been happening for the last several years. So here is nothing new. What is happening in Asia, that is much more interesting because on one hand, China is trying to use some of the methods there, testing the ground, what they can do. Uh, Johan, uh, Hannah Shalis joins us from Ukraine. Uh, she is in Odessa and just taking a second to comment on what is happening with Ukrainian, uh, with uh, Chinese airplanes and Canadian planes. Hi, Hannah. Sorry, we lost you. Uh, yes, yes. What I said, like, Chinese are definitely testing the ground, and they are trying to check what they can, what they cannot do, and how others are busy with uh, um, Europe and with Ukraine, uh, and will they be attentive to what is happening in Asia, so, like, using the moment. Uh, is it already a big picture? Uh, I, I don't know. Let's see. I hope by the end of this week to be in Singapore at the big, biggest uh, Asia security conference, and really will be interesting to hear both the U.S. and Chinese ministers of defense, how they will be be describing the situation and uh, how big are the clashes uh, as for now. Or they understand that the world doesn't need a new war or the new conflict um, in other places, that they are not ready for this now. Anna Shalist, Odessa, Ukraine, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.